Okay, guys, this week we're going to get right back into it with uh, Nebuchadnezzar and uh, Daniel, and we're going to see Nebuchadnezzar's first dream. Now, we're going to do this in two weeks, simply because of the time, because there's a lot of verses here. So today we're going to be mainly looking at uh, the king's nightmare, what he tries to do about it. Next week we'll look at the interpretation. Now, Here's the thing. When we look at uh, the first uh, six, seven chapters of Daniel, I think the first six chapters, um, you need to understand it's more than just a historical thing. There is historical passages there. And what we have tended to do is take Daniel and reduce it down to a few Bible stories that we kind of share in Sunday school. Okay, so last week we talked about Daniel refusing to eat the king's meat and dealing with peer pressure and, and all of that. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's a nice Sunday school story for the kids, but there's a whole lot more going on there. It's really an introduction for you to understand how he got where he was and what's getting ready to happen. From here on out, we're going to see that the main character throughout the book of Daniel I'm just going to be flat out honest with you, is not Daniel. If you want to write that down in your notes, write that down in your notes. You need to understand that. The main character throughout the book of Daniel is not Daniel. The main character is God. And what it's going to show you is is that God is sovereign, even in spite of the most difficult circumstances we might find ourselves in. Even when it seems like the world is upside down, it's not going the way you want it to go. Ultimately, you need to understand that God is the one who is in control, and he is directing the events of life for his purpose. And ultimately, what his purpose is, is Jesus Christ coming back. Do you understand? Ultimately, and, and here's the thing, let me just, just let me back up for a moment. You know, we like to say to people, and it's nice to say that, that God has a plan for your life and he has a purpose and he wants to do something with your life. Yes, that's true. However, that fits into a bigger issue. The bigger issue is, is that your life fits into a bigger plan, and the bigger plan is Jesus Christ coming back. You need to understand that. This world and this life is not about you. It's about Jesus coming back. So when we look at Daniel, what we're going to see here is, yeah, Daniel's a main character on the outside as far as what's going on. He's one of the main things we see happening going on throughout this book. But the reality is is that it's about God moving everything to the culmination when Jesus Christ comes back. And that's what this book is about. Now, in particular today, we're starting in chapter 2. Now, I need to remind you, remember from our introduction, chapter 2 through chapter 7 were written in the Aramaic language. Okay, that's a Gentile language, a trade language for that whole area. So specifically, what we're going to be looking at here seems to be a message for the Gentiles, for the Gentile nations, because when we get to chapter 8 on, it's going to go back to Hebrew. The language is going to go back to Hebrew. Now, it's not shown in your Bible that way, but it's going to go back to Hebrew, which means that this, its significance is for the nation Israel. Okay? So what we're going to be looking at here is primarily focused on 
Gentile perspective. Okay? So let's, let's look at it today. We're going to look at Nebuchadnezzar's first dream. Because really what his first dream has to do is, is with the course of the Gentile history. Okay? Or the course of the Gentiles, period. So let's look. We're going to see the main character is God and the antagonist, you know, there's a protagonist, which is God, and the antagonist in our story, which is the bad guy, if you're wondering what an antagonist is, okay, the bad guy in our story is Nebuchadnezzar. Because what we're going to see here is that Nebuchadnezzar is one prideful dude. Do you know what I'm saying? He's like the head cheese, he's in charge of everything, but he's got a problem, and that's his arrogance. Okay, and we're going to see that come out today. So let's look, first of all, we're going to look at his nightmare, which we're going to see in verses 1 through 16 of chapter 2. So let's read that together. Now, in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Then the king gave command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams, So they came and stood before the king. The king said to them, I have had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic. Oh, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will give the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, You shall be cut in pieces, your houses shall be made an ash heap. Pretty serious, huh? Wow. You don't do what I'm asking you to do. When was the last time your boss did that with you, okay? You know what I'm saying? If you don't do this, I'm going to cut you in pieces, burn your house to the ground. Okay. However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. They answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will give its interpretation. The king answered and said, I will know for certain that you would I know for certain that you would gain time because you see my decision is firm. If you do not make known to me the if you do not make known the dream to me, if there's only one there's only one decree for you. For you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you gave me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is no man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such things of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. It is a difficult thing that the king requests, and there is no other who can tell it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this reason the king was angry and furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out, and they began killing the wise men, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arach, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. And he answered and said to Arach, the king's captain, Why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arach made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. 
Okay, so let's look at this. It sounds pretty, it's an interesting story. We'll hit a couple of things here. focus of our passage today is really going to be about Nebuchadnezzar's arrogance. Okay? Nebuchadnezzar's arrogance. So let's talk about his nightmare. First of all, the dream occurs in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. So this happened in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. Okay? Now, when we see this, you need to understand, so this is happening shortly after Daniel and his friends are elevated to a place of authority. So the first thing that happens, right after they are elevated to a place of authority, Nebuchadnezzar starts having these weird, nightmarish dreams, and he's really bothered by them. In fact... The king had a reoccurring dream that caused him not to sleep. How many of you have ever had a really bad nightmare sleep, couldn't, just were bothered by something, and you couldn't sleep? It didn't even have to be a nightmare. It could be something that you're working through, and it just wouldn't let you sleep. How many of you have been there? Probably most of us, right? Okay. This is what's going on in Nebuchadnezzar's life. So it's not just happening one night. The text is telling us that it's happening many nights. So it's not just one dream. He's having the dream several times, and he's not able to rest. He's bothered by it. So he's going to try to seek the meaning now. We're going to see that in verses 2 through 11. So here's what he does. This is what they would do in that time. Dreams are a very important thing uh, in their culture. In fact, even to this day, in the Middle East, you may not be aware of this, but in the Middle East of the day, dreams are a very important thing to Middle Eastern Arabs. Very, very important, very significant. And what we see happening here is, is he wants to know the meaning. So what would happen is, is that a king in that time, if he had a, a dream, he would try to seek the meaning of it. So the king summoned his wise men into his presence to interpret his dream. Now, we've seen this before. If you remember Genesis, the story of Joseph, who had a dream in the story of Joseph? Pharaoh. He had not just one dream, but a couple of dreams, and it bothered him so much he wanted to know the interpretation. That's how Joseph came. He's another guy who was able to able to understand dreams, gives him the interpretation, and, of course, we know the rest of the story from there. So this is a common thing. The king would summon his wise men into his presence and interpret to interpret his dream. Now, here he is. He's, he, the king stated that he was anxious to know the meaning of the dream. So... The first thing he wants to do is, like, I want to know what this means. What does this dream mean? It's bothering me. Give me some clue what's going on here. All right? Which is normal. Now, here's what they do. Now, this is normal for them to do this, because this is how it works. The wise men requested that the king tell them what he had dreamed. So it's like, okay, we're here for you, king. Tell us what it is you dreamed. We'll figure it out for you. In fact, I'll be honest with you, dream interpretation is, is a very well thought out thing. In fact, if you go on Amazon, you could probably find some books that will give you an interpretation of your dreams. Do you know what I'm saying? There's even a science to it now. But back in their day, they would do this quite a bit. So, of course, they would say, hey, tell us your dream, King. We'll look up, look it up the information for you. You know, maybe consult the books and whatever, and we'll give you the interpretation. 
that was a normal thing that would be done back then. Now, here's where the problem happens now. This is where Nebuchadnezzar's arrogance becomes out. Because he's going to ask them to do something that nobody's ever asked them to do before. He's going to ask them to do the impossible. And when you and I listen to what he's going to ask them to do, you're going to think, yeah, that's impossible. Okay? Here's what he's going to do. The king demanded that they tell him what he dreamed and its interpretation. So think about it. Let's say, let's say I'm here this morning and I say, hey, you know, as a pastor last night, God spoke to me in my dream. He gave me a vision of what's going to happen for our church. And you're like, tell us, George. Tell us. And I say, no, you tell me. You tell me what I dreamed. And if you don't tell me what I dreamed, it's going to be bad for you. Now, what would you think? What would your initial reaction be if you heard me say something like that? What's your initial reaction? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be bad for you. Okay. <laughs> right. What else would you think? No way you can do it. But some of you, you're being too polite here. You'd be th- Yeah, go ahead. Thanks, Tammy. You're nuts. You're crazy. Uh, go, go back to China. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So you see what, do you see the arrogance here? Nebuchadnezzar, you have to understand, think about where he's at. He's a young guy. He's defeated Jerusalem. He's defeated the Assyrian Empire. He is it. I mean, he's on top of the world. He speaks the word. Anybody can be killed. He can elevate anything he wants. They'll do it for him. Talk about being at the prime of power. There he is. He's the height of arrogance. So now he has a dream. And so, and this would happen in their culture. This is where they, you know, they began to see their kings as gods. Do you understand what I'm saying? So in a sense, he's like a god. And so he's like, hey, I had this dream. You tell me what I dreamed. You tell me what I dreamed, and you tell me the interpretation. So, I mean, it's not. So, like, for instance, how many of you had a dream last night? You, I had a dream. At least I know I had a dream. We know, we know from science that you have dreams that you're not even aware of. So all of you had a dream last night. Some of you know what your dream was, okay? How many of you remember had dreams that seemed so real? Okay? Yeah, okay. Now, Nobody shows up on Sunday morning and says, I expect somebody to tell me what I dreamed last night. Nobody has, because we know better, right? We know that that's humanly what? Impossible. Because we can't even know what our own thoughts are right right now, let alone what our dreams were, okay? So this is what the king's asking. So he stated if they could not, they would be executed. Except he's a little bit more descriptive. He says they're going to be cut in pieces. Okay? Which, folks, they would do that. It's it's just not a figurative speech. They would cut you in pieces. All right? So he's just, he's very adamant. Tell me what I dreamed. If you can't tell me what I dreamed, you're history. You're not going to live. So, but then he says, like, if you can tell me, he stated there would be a great reward for the one who could tell him. 
there would be a great reward for the one who could tell him. Now, I want you to notice the reaction of the of these astrologers, these Chaldeans. It's almost like you kind of kind of see what's going on here. Look at verse 7. The wise men requested again that the king tell them the dream. So what's going on here? It's like he just said, jump in a dream or I'm going to kill you. If you can do it, I'm going to give you a great reward. Here's what they said. Can you tell us a dream again, king? Huh? What's going on here? It makes you realize, when, when you read it, you begin to understand, these guys are used to dealing with him. He's like a little kid to them. Did you know what I'm saying? He's, he's, he's like a little kid. It's like, okay, you got that out of your system, king? Okay, you can tell us a dream now, right? You know what I'm saying? You can tell us a dream. Do you see what's happening here? Okay. You can tell us the dream. But notice what the king does. The king stated that they were stalling for time. It's like, he's, he's determined. He's already made up his mind. He's like, no, listen to me. The reality is, I want to know what I dreamed, and I want to know the interpretation, and you guys are just wasting time here. You're just wasting time. You're wasting my time. And so he said, here's what's going to happen. If they could tell him the dream, he will know that they have the interpretation. Here's what the real issue is, isn't it? Here's what happens in their culture. Kings would have dreams. Their 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 interpreters or their their astrologers, their their wise men would come and they would interpret it. But oftentimes, what they would interpret is is they would give an interpretation, and it would be pretty vague. Do you know what I mean? It would be pretty, like, it could possibly happen, maybe it couldn't happen. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's like the same way today. Some of you read the horoscope. I'm not going to ask you who you are. I know you do, okay? Because you put it on your Facebook page, what your horoscope is, and I see it. I'm like, are they looking at their horoscope? Yes. So be aware of that when you put your horoscope on your Facebook page, okay? I probably am going to be unfriended now, okay? Okay. Uh, but here's the here's the scoop. What happens is is if you've ever looked at a horoscope, a horoscope or or like you you know like if you're not looking for your your lotto number at the with the Chinese uh, uh, fortune cookie, you know what I'm saying? And you look at they're all vague. Have you noticed it's all vague? It's pretty vague, and anything could fit into that 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 day. Okay, so the interpretations were like that back then. And so Nebuchadnezzar, yes, he's arrogant. Yes, he's asking for the impossible. But Nebuchadnezzar is also, listening to me, knows the routine. Nebuchadnezzar knows that if he tells him the dream, they're just going to give him some flowery interpretation that maybe will be true or maybe not will be true. So he says, look, here's how I'm going to settle this. If you can tell me my dream, I'll know that you know what the interpretation is. If you can tell me what I dreamt, I'll know that when you tell me the interpretation, you'll know what it means. So it's like he's, he's, he's kind of playing with his men here, his wise men, 
And he's kind of exposing them for their what? Their weakness. But then notice how they respond. Okay? It's, it's interesting. Because this is where we get to where who is the, the main character in this story. It's not Daniel. We get to the main character. Because notice what they said. The wise men stated that no man could do as the king requested. Yeah, that's right. Nobody can do that. Nobody here can do that. Nobody can tell you what your dreams are. Nobody can read your mind. Nobody can, nobody can do that. Nobody can do it. And so they're, they're stating the obvious. And here's what they, here's what they do say. Only, they stated that only the gods could fulfill the king's request. So there it is. We're setting it up now. We're setting the story up here for who is the main character. God. Because the king has this nightmare several times in a row. He wants to know what it means. He wants the interpretation. He goes to his wise men. Tell me what I dream. Tell me what the interpretation is. We can't do that, king. Nobody can do that. Only the gods can do that. Only the gods. So that's kind of setting the stage for what? God of the universe to show himself mighty. God of the universe to show himself as the one who can interpret dreams, as the one who's in control. This is what's going on here in this passage. It's not setting Daniel up. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not setting, oh, there's only one dude who can do it, Lord. We don't know who it is. No, no, it's, that's not what's being happening here. He's not set, this is not setting Daniel up. This is setting God up to be the one who can interpret this, the one who can do this. So notice now, does the king like that? Now he gets a little irritated. He gets more than a little irritated. He gets ticked off. And so here's what he does. The king was filled with anger and ordered the wise men killed. So, I mean, this is what happens when you're, you're at, you're the supreme ruler, you're, you're judge, jury, and executioner. You just kind of say, okay, that's it. I'm done. You guys are history. You're finished. And he orders them killed. And so the king's decree went out and they started to kill the wise men. Now, I want you to remember, if you got your book, go back one lesson. If you got your study book there, go back one lesson and you'll see a map of the Babylonian Empire. This is what I want you to understand. When his decree goes out, his decree goes out to all of the empire. So all of the officials who are his wise men, the Chaldeans, throughout his empire have now been ordered to be what? Killed. That's pretty radical, isn't it? So here you are, you're in some far corner of the empire in some little bitty podunk city somewhere. And all of a sudden, the decree shows up and says, you need to be killed. You don't even know why you got to be killed. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, Denny. That's everybody. Yeah, if you go back, look at verse 2. He commanded the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans. So this is, these are all people within the kingdom structure of their authority who are basically now told to be killed. So it's not just the Hebrews, okay, because we're going to see they're out to get the Hebrew Daniel and his friends because they hold, a, they, they have a position as a wise man. 
But we're going to see that it has to do with everybody in those positions throughout the kingdom have now been ordered to be killed. Okay? So this is how radical it is with the king doing his thing. He, the decree went out and they started to kill the wise men. Now here's what happens. Because of the decree, the, the writer tells us that they sought to kill Daniel and his friends. I mean, the decree is the decree. I mean, if every wise guy there is, every wise man, everybody who's an employee of the king in this capacity is to be killed. That includes who? Daniel and his friends. So they come after Daniel and his friends. Now, I want you to notice something. Daniel shows himself to be very wise here. Because look at what he does. Daniel asked the king of the guard... Why did the decree went out? So first of all, he doesn't even know why this is happening. He just knows they're out to kill him. So the guy's showing up, the captain of the guard showing up and saying, Hey, Daniel, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to take your life. Get your neck ready. Okay? Because I'm taking your head off. And what's the first natural reaction for any of us? If somebody's coming and they're going to hurt you, your first question out of your mouth is, Why? Yeah, then shoot. No, no, not, that's, that, no, no, okay. No, Tom, that's, <laughs> they didn't have hardware like that back then, okay? <laughs> All right? The, the, first, the first question out of your mouth is, is, why is this happening? Why are you doing this? Okay? Why are you doing this? So then notice, Daniel then asked to see the king, and he goes to the king, and the king, Daniel asked the king for time so that he could tell the interpretation. Wise here. He goes to the king, he says, hey king, give me some time, I will seek the interpretation. Pause it, stop the killing spree, hold your men back. Give me some time, whatever the time is, and I will seek the interpretation. That's what Daniel does here, okay? Daniel does that. All right, now look at now. We're going to see that the dream is revealed to Daniel. Let's look at verse 17 through 23. So look at what it says. Then Daniel went to his house and made known the decision and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and they, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning the secret, so Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision, so Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. Put a star by that. Some of us need to know that. Okay? He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise. And acknowledge to, and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might, and have made known to me what, I, what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's 
demand. Okay, so let's look at this, the dream revealed. First thing, what did Daniel do when he's faced with this circumstance? Does he panic? He might have panicked, but he called his friends to pray for God's mercy for them. Notice what he's doing here. He's not going and saying, okay, guys, we need to have a prayer huddle, and we need to ask God to give us the interpretation. No, what does he do? He gets his buddies together, and they pray for what? Mercy. God, you need to spare us. You need to show mercy for us. Okay, so they pray for mercy for them. All right? The secret of the dream, then, is revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So here it is. Daniel is probably at bed sleeping, or if he's trying to sleep, okay, because usually when you and I are facing a circumstance like this, we're probably not sleeping very well that night, right? Because we're wanting an answer. We want something from God, okay? Because we know that if this doesn't happen, we're dead. And what we see here is that God reveals to Daniel the secret of the dream in a night vision, okay? In a night vision. So then we notice now that God revealed it to him, and here's what Daniel's response is. And this is where we can learn the lesson. Daniel praised God for revealing the dream and its interpretation. He praised God. Now, that's a good question, isn't it? When God answers prayers, do we praise him about it? So, like, okay, uh, for Lori and I, we've, we've got a, a circumstance that I've been asking God to do something about. And while I was in China, it was on my mind, but I was busy doing what I had to do. But it wasn't until I was, like, on the airplane, okay, that I'm like, okay, watching the movies, thinking, because I can't sleep on an airplane. And... uh I'm like, my mind is, okay, God, I need you to answer this prayer. I need you to do something. I need you to be at work. I need you to take care of this situation. Okay? So it wasn't until I got home that I realized he already answered the prayer. Or he took care of it. Just I didn't know it. Do you know what I'm saying? God answers prayer. So what should be our first response then? Oh, I'm glad that's out of the way. Let's get on with life. No. Thank you, God. You are the one who's in control. You show yourself mighty in our lives continually. This is what Daniel's doing. In fact, notice something. The reason why I had you mark it down, and this is a good thing, he, he points out, because remember now, the, the antagonist in this passage is Nebuchadnezzar, the king. And he's there, tell me my dream, and I'll know that you've got the interpretation. Like, I mean, who asked that kind of stuff? Well, if you think you're it, you think you're in control, and you're filled with pride, you would ask that kind of thing. But notice what Daniel prays. God, look at what I told you to mark it down. You remove kings, and you raise them up. God, you're the one who's in control, not Nebuchadnezzar. You removed, you removed Jerusalem, raised him up. You can remove him, Lord. I'm going to trust you, God. See, that's where we need to be. Like, you know, I, I'll just do a side note here. We get so walked out with politics. You know one of the greatest things for me this last week was? I didn't hear any news. So I'm in China wondering, did they get the budget thing worked out? 
Is the world going to collapse? Did they get the debt ceiling raised? I didn't know nothing. You know, nothing until I got on the road and turned on the talk shows, and I heard they're talking about it afterwards, and I thought, oh, they just delayed the big mess. So, But here's the I went a whole week without it. That's a great thing to go, a whole week without it, isn't it? Okay? Great thing. But you know what it reminds you of is that it's not God's the one who's in control. Don't get whacked out about who's the president or who's the governor or who your local representative is. God's the one who raises them up. He's the one who what? Removes them. This is the point that we're going to see here. In fact, folks, we're setting it up here. This prayer and that one line is setting up the rest of the book. Because when we look at the dream, we're going to see that there's going to be kingdom after kingdom raised up. They're going to be destroyed. But there's going to be an ultimate kingdom that comes. It's the kingdom of God. That's where we need to rest our hope in. Do you know what I'm saying? That's where we need to rest our hope in. So, all right. Next week we'll look at the interpretation. Okay, and that's going to be pretty in-depth as we look at it. Now, let me just go ahead and tell you this real quick. There are skeptics especially here in the last 150 years or so, there are a lot of skeptics who believe that Daniel could not have been written when it is said to have been written. There's no way this book could have been written. I'll tell you why. The reason why is is because the prophecies from this point out are pretty specific and have been fulfilled. And so that's why so many think that this book had to have been written during the Roman era. It could not have been written during the Babylonian era, because he's going to talk about several different kingdoms that are going to come and go. There's no way he could be that specific. But you know what, folks? It was written during the Babylonian era, and it can be that specific because it's God who's telling you what's going to happen. Did you understand what I'm saying? And you and I need to understand that. Okay.